0: Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling. And following the big news last week that I opened my windows for the first time in months, I have to report they've since been closed again. (laughs) It looks like they're going to stay that way for a while, actually, as we head into more excessive heat warnings. We're 10 degrees above the normal temperature for this time of year, based on uh, past average temperatures, and it's just not letting up. The heat's definitely not as fierce. I have noticed that and I have taken the dog out for an early evening walk most days this week and not felt like I was on the brink of dehydration after a couple of minutes. So it is cooling down a bit. (laughs) We've started to do nightly family traipses actually around the neighbourhood, just around the suburb we live in which is right on the edge of Lookout Mountain. You do see torchlights with people climbing up the mountain at night, and I always think, oh, no, I don't think so. I dread to think what beasties come alive under the cover of dark. So we always stick to the pavement. Sorry, sidewalk, which is what they call a pavement here because the pavement is actually the road. Got it? Walk on the sidewalk, drive on the pavement it's so confusing anyway despite sticking to the sidewalk we did have another incident this week on one of these walks just as we were leaving the house nine-year-old yes the snake bearded dragon well in fact all animal obsessive said can we take the black light in case we see any scorpions (laughs) just a regular nine-year-old girl now we live near a mountain but not on a mountain and the area that we're in now is definitely a lot less deserty than Paradise Valley where we move from plus a nice man called William comes over every couple of months and sprays some cocktail of anti-beasty gloop all around the house and the garden to make sure we're not overrun with the desert's finest natural nightmares I am still sticking to the story that the scorpion in our pool fell out of a bird's beak okay good anyway as I've also explained before scorpions glow in the dark like some hideous fluorescent creature fresh from the gates of Hades, just in case the thought of them wasn't scary enough. So we're like, yeah, okay, we kind of humour her, thinking we're not going to see anything, we're in a suburb, we're not on a mountain, but we got the black light and we walked out of our front door. <laughs> I'm not exaggerating when I say we had gone approximately 10 paces when Britta yelled, I've got one! And sitting there, right next to our mailbox, where, oh God, on most days I walk to get the post barefoot, was a scorpion in all its fluorescent, glowy horror. Now, don't forget, I'm one of these blooming tree-hugging vegans. I am soppy about animals. I don't wish any living creature Any form of suffering, I hate the thought of it, but I tell you, if I'd had my scorpion-catching kit on me, those long-handled needle-nose pliers, big jar full of cottonwood soaked in brake fluid that you drop them in and they just float off this mortal coil in a drug-induced coma... I would have put it to good use. We do actually have one somewhere stuffed in the boxes we still haven't unpacked in the garage. But man alive, I just know that these little things are just trying to live their life. They don't want to be around people any more than we want to be around them. But I'm scared of them. I just find a visceral reaction when I see a scorpion. Ah, I don't want them around. Dave's colleague, the one that we called Jason a couple of weeks ago, because his name's Jason, the man who had a welcoming committee of two diamondback rattlesnakes on his porch. His daughter, who's 16, was lying in bed the other day. <laughs> she saw a shadow cast over her bed, looked up to see a scorpion on the light bulb, which promptly fell off the light bulb onto her bed And stung her. I mean, this is the stuff of nightmares, right? Arizona bark scorpions can actually be fatal. They're they're usually not, which is great, unless you're a very young or a very old person. You've got to be so careful. Luckily, she recovered, but that nasty sting hurt her for days and days and days. She was in a lot of pain. Anyway, our scorpion freaked out after a few seconds and ran off. Oh, good. I don't know where to. But I tell you what, I'm wearing shoes next time I go and get the mail. I promise you that. I had more adventures in healthcare this week too. Firstly, I've been really, really guilty of doing the thing that so many of us do and ignoring a health issue for ages because I didn't have time to sort it out. So... For the last 10 months, can you believe, I've had a horribly swollen tendon in my left elbow. I've had to sleep with it raised up on two pillows. There were days it was so bad I couldn't hold a phone to my ear or even get dressed. I found some exercise online and hoped it would go away. It didn't. Now, it's not just because I'm so busy. It's also because it's such a mission to try and work out how to get help just really puts me off in England what you do you phone up your GP you see your GP they sort you out or they book you in with someone else that's it okay now I'm aware it can take a frustratingly long time to get an appointment blah 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 but there's at least only a couple of steps for you to go through here you need to identify who you need to see that's a mission Imagine you just get a phone book of doctors go, I don't know who's any good. I mean, I have no idea at all. Luckily, I had a friend who'd had a similar problem. So they recommended a practice to me or else where do you even begin? So you then call your insurance company and find out if this doctor is in network, which means they have kind of an agreed list of prices with your insurer. You then need to find out if you need a referral from your general doctor before the insurance will allow you to go and see the specialist or if your plan allows you just to go and see a specialist. <sighs> so then you book in with the specialist. So I called the practice and they said, well, which doctor do you want? We've got loads here. I mean, again, I wasn't really sure. So the, I said the most American thing I've ever said. I'm embarrassed to admit. I actually uttered the phrase, well, who's your best elbow guy? Ha <laughs> ha Who even am I? Anyway, I booked in with a doctor. Uh, He gave me x-rays and advice and some physical therapy and a cortisol injection into my elbow. And all I could think was, how much is this going to cost? I mean, I've got no idea. Did I need the x-ray? Well, I did so they could check if it was a bone issue. Did I need the injection? Oh man, I really did. The pain was so bad. Side note, I actually had two jabs and after he'd done them, I said, wow, that's magic. It feels amazing. And he he was like, yeah, no, uh, that's the local anaesthetic I injected in first. (laughs) I was like, oh, curses. I then got booked in for a course of physical therapy and again, all I could think was, well, how much is all this going to be? It feels really weird to even have a mental conversation before a doctor gives you the care you need. Do I need this? Is it bumping up my bill? So... I'm very pleased to report that my arm feels a lot better, but until that bill lands on my doorstep, I just feel really nervous. And you might say, well, why don't you find out before? And yes, in some cases that is possible, but until a doctor sees you, does he or she know what they're going to need to do to fix you? No. And they're not the ones putting the bill together. You can't stop mid-treatment and say, how much is this injection and this one? They don't know because every health plan is different. Every insurance company is different. So it's impossible to know. Did you know that admin costs add up to 30% on your medical bills in this country? Imagine if you could streamline the process. My arm, however, is nothing compared to the operation my daughter's having. At the time of speaking to you, she's due to go in tomorrow. And when you hear this, she will be in hospital. I still don't know how much it's going to cost. I've made about 678 phone calls and no one can tell me. I know it's between four dollars and $6,000, but when I pointed out that $2,000 is quite a large differential, it's not like saying, oh, well, it's $100 or $110. I mean, I got the sense that this sort of large bracket wasn't unusual. It's really confounding. Whenever someone we love has any kind of health issue, it's so stressful, isn't it? It's a really upsetting time. And imagine also having to worry about the logistics of how you get care. Making sure the person you're seeing is allowed on your insurance plan, waiting for that bill, wondering if that x-ray is really needed. All these other things I've been so lucky I've never had to consider. The lovely young women behind the desk at the physical therapy place asked where I was from and asked how I got care in England. I explained how the NHS worked and one of them said, and you left that why? It's a fair question. For now, though, all I'm thinking about is my littlest daughter and her operation. I feel sick. I really do not know how on earth families with poorly children cope. If that is you, oh, for what it's worth, I'm sending you loads and loads of love and mental support because I don't know how you do it. The fact is that tomorrow, for the first time ever, she's going under general anaesthetic. Nobody knows how she's going to cope with that. Her masto means that she might go into anaphylactic shock. So I'm concentrating on the fact that if she does, she's in the best place. A top children's hospital with the best staff. But you know, whilst her being okay is of course the number one priority. I hate, hate the fact that I can't help but think, oh blimey, if she does go into shock, if she does need that emergency care, how much is that going to cost? Keep her in your thoughts if you can. I'll see you in the desert.